Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to the most hated club in Scottish football, apparently. Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by the most hated man in... No, in the States? No, that's Donald Trump. No, it's Mark Donaldson we've got. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm glad. I, I was okay until about 20 minutes ago and a fucking bear was in our pond. <laughs> Apologies for being a little bit late. You always try and drop an F-bomb really quickly just to see if we'll ever get that explicit tag on iTunes. That, I'd be proud. I'd wear that. I'd get a tattoo of that little E um, if we ever did. I don't think we will. And my I mum think and we just need to do it at the start. It's, welcome to Scarves <laughs> Around the Fucking Funnel. <laughs> Well, come on, that's two already. Now there are people out there that don't like swearing, so sorry. I'll promise sorry. I'll, I'll not I'll not mention another F. Um, but I, be- I I've known our guest today, and I'll let you do the introduction. But I've known our guest for for a while. Uh, I haven't seen him for ages, being over here. But we used to go to games together. He has a mouth like a sewer rat. So <laughs> although I can promise that I won't see any more F bombs, you might not. Uh, our guest today, this could be a hard task for him to keep that mouth clean. Indeed, we're joined by writer for the Scotsman and Evening News, one of the voices of the Terrace Football Podcast, and one of the faces of a view from a Terrace BBC TV series. This time, it is actually Craig Fowler, it's not Joel Sked. Oh, fuck you very much, boys, that was uh, <laughs> oh, no. a great, um, a great introduction. On, uh, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. First word, first word, excellent. Um, Thanks for joining us, Craig. A, a big question, first of all, on a scale of one to Marco Negri, how wild is your hair right now? Oh, it's uh, it's, it's well away from Marco Negri. Uh, my wife's a hairdresser, so she's... Oh, been so she it. is. So and, uh, why is your hair also, such a mess also, normally? It's also been getting cut, because uh, I'm a lazy bastard. I don't usually <laughs> uh, have the time to be in the house uh, constantly. And uh, I can't be... She usually can't be bored doing my hair for home because she's uh, furloughed. She's actually not that fussed about doing it in the house. And since I don't have to travel up to our salon to get it done, eh, I'm just like, yeah, do you want to do the hair? And it's actually short. I've actually got it like the shortest it's been in about, well, since I was about 21. So, <laughs> so you're, this is kind of... Do you put your head over the kitchen sink to get your hair washed? Or how does that work if you do it in the house? I just, you know, put one foot in the shower, get the shower um, <laughs> nozzle, just have a quick blast. Oh, so, so, so very simple stuff, don't you? Mark's not that much left. He doesn't really know say, what you do. It's like it's like moving the deck chairs in the Titanic with me. It's like you remember the Gregor Fisher Hamlet advert where he keeps falling off and he, he's got this strand of hair. That's why I wear caps all the time. But I don't care. Podcasts. We're not ever doing this in video. I'm never going to be on the TV in Scotland. I've got no interest. Um, I'm not going to be invited as a guest on the, the terrace because no one knows who I am, so I'm happy with that. I'll just leave it to the stars like Craig Fowler, Joel Sked, and whatever the other two are called. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know Robert Borthwick. It's the two... The two oh, non- Robert, yeah. There's a guy, is it Sean someone? But he doesn't spell his name right, so that's why I've got no interest in... Uh, unless you're spelling it properly. You don't have a G in the word Sean. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the other dude? Uh, Craig Telfer. Oh, he's the host, isn't he? Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you forgot him to last. I'll, I'll get his ego in check. I, I only care about the two jambos, you know that. Three. And Robert. I think Robert should get more airtime. <laughs> I agree. More jambos. Yeah, there's not enough. There's not enough. Um, so, yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the, the terrace, why not, um, and, and how that's all going. We'll talk about Hearts, of course. We're Hearts Podcast. Robbie Nielsen, uh, who might be arriving at Hearts. Uh, and, of course, the ongoing SPFL saga and possibly footballing days out if we have time. But you need to have some punctuation in your sentences, your verbal sentences going forward, because there, was, there wasn't there was enough of a gap between Robbie Nielsen and who might be arriving at Hearts there. So audible punctuation is important, Mr. Dunsire. We have a, we have a writer from The Scotsman with us today. We won't get away with all this for the next hour. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I was a bit confused. I was like, Robbie Nielsen, who might be arriving at heart. So I was, I was like, like, what? I'm pretty sure he was hired. What? They <laughs> haven't know. sacked him already, have they? Oh, no. It's like it's like Genoa and Serie A. If you last the week without a game, you've done well. Poor Robbie. That was just a few days at hearts before he got the sack. Goodness gracious. Nothing would surprise me right now. 
So, Craig, um, you're obviously still writing for the Scotsman Even News, albeit not much football just now from, from what you tell us. Um, terrace podcast, though. So the, the view from a Terrace TV show, uh, I guess everyone sees Craig Telfer, we were talking about um, fronting that one up, but um, this all came from your podcast. You, it was your baby, wasn't it, the Terrace podcast? Yes, it was. Uh, it was a baby conceived uh, by myself and Alan Temple. Uh, Alan moved on about 2012 and I had nothing else to do so I thought I may as well just pick up this ball and run with it and uh, yeah thankfully it turned into something actually like good <laughs> like it turned into a TV show the podcast is like more listeners than ever we get a decent money, amount of money in through our Patreon so yeah it's all pretty decent it's kind of keeping me sane so I'm still able to do some football stuff while I've kind of been slightly shifted roles at the Scotsman while the season's off. I have been, uh, at least, I've uh, been told that I should be going back to my normal job once this all, once everything returns to normal. But uh, I don't know uh, right now when that exactly will be the case. So Craig, least... how big a part? Sorry, Laurie, how big a part to play in in the TV version did uh, David Harron at the BBC have? He's a big jambo, super guy. Um, but I believe he was he was pretty involved in, in helping you guys get off and running. Yes, he's our commissioning editor, so he was he's the whole kind of reason that we got the chance in the first place. He listens to Terrace, so I'd appeared on a, a pilot for the new channel, so had Joel on a, a separate one, and I think he saw us on both of those and thought, well, I like their show. The guys are already you know being kind of headhunted by these other pilots to, to maybe take part, so why don't I ask them if they want to do the same? And then we spoke to Studio Something, uh, got something together, and David Harron's just uh, been there all the way since. Like He always has a look of every show before it's put out onto the BBC. He also has a look through the script on a weekly basis to make sure that everyone's all right and we're not... There's a script? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> uh, some of the guys, you don't actually believe it, Sean McGuigan turns up every, every week with, I mean, A4 pieces of paper, like like 20 pages front and back of notes for what he's going to talk about i usually turn up with about you know five words written on my phone uh, and <laughs> probably you can probably tell that when you actually watch it um oh it's very enjoyable i mean what made you go into something to cover all the teams because obviously mark and i couldn't really be arsed talking about anyone else which is why we just did hearts was that ever t- a temptation for you just to <laughs> The Heart Show for the BBC. Every week we're going to talk about. No, hearts. when you originally did the podcast. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I think there's a lot of Scottish football fans right now who would love that because it's all they seem to talk about is Hearts. So maybe right now would be the perfect time for a Hearts-only show that'll be but, tuned in by apparently every football fan across the country. It gives Celtic fans right now a chance not to talk about Rangers and Rangers fans a chance not to talk about Celtic. I do find it quite funny. We seem to have, uh, there's just constantly in the, our like, terrorist chat, like all the guys for other teams. It's usually the guys who support other teams that bring up the latest of what's happening at Hearts first. <laughs> and I just, oh, I just yeah. like to do the love a wee bit, like, oh, is that, is that non-Hearts fans talking about Hearts again? I am shocked. <laughs> yes, Coonster is always the first one, isn't it? Or is it Mixu99 or something? Well, well, thankfully none of them are in our chat, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're pretty much not Hibs fans, they're pretty much anti-Hearts fans. We are... We're pretty box office now. It's it's like the Hearts version of the banter years. So I mean, I mean, obviously we've got Craig Gordon potentially coming in, but I think I sent you the screenshot. Um, I think you think maybe sent you both the screenshot. Just like, what's going on when there's a story that we're trying to get Leanne Dempster, even if it's been proved to be false? I mean, where's that even coming from? That's ultimate shit houseery. That's just one of those ones where like it seems like somebody's going, well, that could happen. Stick it in print. And then everybody just goes, yeah, I wouldn't actually be surprised because nothing would surprise me coming for Tidecastle these days. Were you surprised at Robbie Nielsen's return? Um, a wee, a, a little bit, but ultimately not really. I think that after Stendo, well, after Stendo and Cathro, uh, I think uh, Budge wanted somebody that, well, she's, she's made three hires and only one that was decent so and he's in a position where I wasn't that surprised that he'd leave Dundee United he's got more obviously more of an affinity with Hearts you know even though as it stands right now they'll be in the top flight and we'll be in the championship it's still a, a bigger club I don't think anybody would doubt that um, you know more money more chance for success in the long term and he's going to have a, a year in charge to really kind of get his feet under the door and he, even if things 
don't go as well as he would hope. We still prove, should probably win that league. You would certainly think. Uh, I, mean, I, mean, I would hope so. I'm not taking it in for granted. <laughs> no. <laughs> After this last season, I'm definitely not taking it in for granted. Quickly on Daniel Stendhal. And I, I mean, we mentioned him on our show on Sunday night briefly. Obviously, do feel some sympathy for him. Um, how well do you think this was handled when... Obviously, we heard from Daniel Stendel after the Robbie Nielsen appointment, which kind of appears from what he said that he found out from the public confirmation that Robbie had been appointed. I think uh, that does seem to be the case, because when Nielsen was first announced, I had a look on the site to see if if there was like another article that said Stendel's exit confirmed, or even in the statement announcing Robbie as a new manager. I still don't think he even mentioned Stendel. So I wasn't too surprised that he said that it was the first he'd heard of it. Obviously quite poor. I think he, he made, a, made a, bit of a joke about it. I think he took it in fairly good spirits that he kind of understood that mm-hmm. with, you know, everything that's happening and what's going on and the fact that he was unable to save the club for relegation and the fact is that he wasn't even technically the manager anyway, is that I think he, he kind of saw the kind of bigger picture and didn't really uh, kind of spit the dummy out, which I think a lot of managers would. So fair play to him for that. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't have minded if he'd spat the dummy out. I kind of wanted him to stay, but... Uh, oh, well, we move on now. What do you think will be different about Robbie Nielsen Mark II, or or do you think there'll be anything different about Robbie Nielsen Mark II comparing the, his first spell to now his second spell? He said his haircut. <laughs> he had his haircut at one point during his first spell, though, didn't he? Mm. He mixed that about. Hmm. I mean, the style was all. I mean, as long as long as he keeps that style. But in terms of on the park, what what do you think? Do you think we'll see a lot of difference? Because you know there there were quite a few dissenting voices last time, and there some arseholes who have already taken upon themselves to to show their disapproval. But I think on the whole, people are happy enough with the appointment. But there were there was a fair bit of criticism at times um, towards the end of his tenure. Do you think there'll be slightly a slightly different approach? Do you think it'll be different because it won't be Craig Levine he's working under? I think I'd like to, I'd hope he will be working under a sporting director because he has said himself when he went down to MK Dons he didn't like the fact that he had to do these kind of jobs that would usually be taken care of by a yeah. director, football sporting director. Aye, there'll be someone uh, just maybe, well, <laughs> maybe, but hell, and hopefully someone different than last time. Yes. Um, that would be quite something. <laughs> Whoa. Wait till the first game and just get some like entrance music and then just have him storm it out of the park, Vince McMahon style. Did you see the the tweet that was going around? Um, all the the hipsters and the kids are doing this face swap right now, um, and there was a, a tweet going around where guys can become like attractive girls and and this uh, Craigella Levina or someone uh, Levina's a girl introduced as Hart's new sporting director. They've they've gone female for this one and it's it Craig Levina's of Oh, goodness me. I'm all in favour of progressive appointments. <laughs> yes, yes, just, just not Mrs. Levine. I'm sure yeah. Carol's lovely, but uh, no, not this time. So, so do, uh, you th- do you sorry, think... As, yeah. As, yeah, sorry, I'll answer your question about Robbie's style. Um, I'm a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried about this uh, hiring in general. I know it's going to see as a safe pair of hands, but we know there's um, an element of the heart support who are already a bit underwhelmed about coming back. We know why there was... I don't know why fans kind of took against them towards the end. They thought that once the team got to the top flight, the football became a bit too cautious. I think the fact that makes me a wee bit worried is that Dundee United fans accused them of the same. Now, when he manager of Hearts in the Championship, it wasn't really cautious at all. We went out and just battered teams off the park and were very entertaining to watch. And it's, we kind of started like that in the Premiership. And the more the season got on, you could see him get more pragmatic, which at the time I thought was fair enough. But if he, he could have continued that with Dundee United, and a lot of United fans hated the fact that he was very pragmatic in the playoffs uh, final loss to St Mirren, and that he was actually celebrating penalties at the end uh, because they, the fans just wanted them to kind of go out and beat St Mirren because St Mirren weren't any great shakes himself. And even this past season, they haven't been fully on board with his style of play. I hope that he has learned for that because he won't, there won't be a lot of happy Hearts fans if it's the same style, even if they are winning games. But the main thing he has to do is beat Hibs. If you beat Hibs, it's fine. That's the key, isn't it? Because as I listened to a couple of other the Hearts podcasts as well, and that, that was mentioned, and obviously when you're 2-0 up and you, you lose to them, it wasn't Robbie Nielsen that um, 
that, that meant that Hibs won the cup. There was a hell of a lot to do after that, um, including Rangers in the final, which which Hibs won with the, the late goal. But it kept coming up that his, his derby record wasn't the best. Therefore, question for you two, if Hearts beat Hibs in the semi-final of the Scottish Cup, whenever that is, will those who hold that against Robbie for the Hibs loss in the past, will they forgive him if Hearts beat Hibs in this cup tie? Until they lose the final, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Is that enough, though? Is a is a win? No, but I mean the thing he, is, he needs, sh- he needs a good win over Hibs. It shouldn't be. It, it's not enough, and it shouldn't be enough because you shouldn't be able to just beat Hibs and try and live off that. By the same time, no, 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 I'm not, getting I'm beat not by Hibs about, should enough, be the end. But is um, enough for him? Maybe maybe working for Stendhal in the eyes of the fans. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. this this is this is in the eyes of those who basically either are not having them or have their doubts, which is fine. As we said in our our little scarves around the podcast extra. Um, on Sunday night or whenever it was. Look, of, of course you're entitled to your opinion, but would that be enough to change the minds of those that are like, nah, I can't have them. I can't have them because of what happened the last time. I think it's got to change at least most of their minds. I mean, there's a few bampots that I think will be against them no matter <laughs> what. Uh, but overall, I think everybody, because you, you have to, it's a weird time to think it right now and you barely even think about the semi-final because, well, first of all, we have no idea when it's going to get played or how many fans will be allowed to actually attend the game. <laughs> But if you if you look at the I mean recent history of Hearts, it's got to be like up there with top five most important Edinburgh derbies of the last I don't know twenty odd years at least. I mean it's not very often it's Hearts in a, a semi a game at Hamden at all, uh, like semi final or final. It's only the only the third time it will happen in, in my lifetime. So if he wins that, yeah, he should be golden for at least a while after that. I'd be surprised if that game takes place at Hamden. I have to say, I think there's got to be a chance if it's to be taking place by October or November. And given that Hearts might not be back in action until October, so that'll be something else um, for for everyone to moan about. But you, you're not going to take if you are allowed fans back by then. I, I that's the case. But if you are, it makes no sense to send them through there when they could have some sort of bio-safe stadium and maybe uh, a fraction of the Murrayfield crowd and have some fans in attendance in Edinburgh, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I was against uh, moving it to Murrayfield when they first talked about it because I I like the whole kind of thing of going to Hamden for a semi or a final, the whole kind of day out aspect. But yeah, if there'll still be... But by the time they play the game, I'm going to assume that no vaccine will be out and the coronavirus will still be in the air. So you can't have, you know, however many fans are allowed to attend the game, say it's 30,000. You can't have 30,000 people basically coming from the east at the same time. That would just be a nightmare. Hamden's probably the best place to social distance. You're about fifty yards from the pitch. No. So, I mean, the other thing with semi-finals I was chuckling at is the fact that Johnny Hayes now plays for Aberdeen. Does that mean he's cup tied for the semi-final because he'd be playing against the team that he played for in the season that they got to the cup? Some, somebody asked us the other day in our group chat, and I think the the answer at this moment in time is nobody has a clue. It's just bizarre, isn't it? Because he's played for Celtic in the Cup up to that semi-final, but he now plays for Aberdeen, but he didn't play for Aberdeen in the season which counted for this. So it's just, it just seems, it does seem ridiculous because likelihood is that Hearts will be a championship team and the other three will be premiership teams who will have started their season two months before and could well be completely up to speed with premiership squads against a side who were a premiership squad when they got to the semi-final but are now a championship team. It, yeah, different different team, different manager, it, different division. It just seems utterly bizarre. But, while, um, while you're on the, the subject of utterly bizarre, what happens if Hart signs Scott Allen? Could he play in the semi-final? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know, I like that scenario. Uh, look, give it, every, everything that happens now is getting more stupid and more ridiculous. And it's be, you couldn't script it. It's like a parody of itself now. And if you handed that script to David Harron at the BBC, he'd be like, get off the drugs, Craig. They're not good for you. Don't, don't. Just stop. Alcohol, that's it. No more. I'm just quickly checking. And I don't think Craig Gordon played for Celtic in the Scottish Cup, which is a relief because that could have been a problem. If he signs, of course. Um, on Craig Gordon, what are your thoughts on that? A good move? It's If it happens, I mean, obviously it's out there as Hearts being in talks. We know that Derby County are potentially interested as well. I think most people seem to be positive about the possibility of Craig Gordon returning. How do you feel about it? 
I am generally positive about it. Obviously, Gordon was excellent his last time around. I still think he's better than Scott Bain in, in terms of Celtic's backups. I think he would be the starter on pretty much most teams in the top flight. I still think he's got enough left in the tank to be very good. I, the only reason I would express any sort of caution is depending on how much funds there are uh, in terms of the team for the championship. Because as much as I really didn't rate Bobby Zamal or Colin Doyle, I think they'd both be perfectly adequate. The championship would be good enough to win a season. And I mean, you would sign Gordon for a, have the chance of having such a good goalkeeper for the long term. But we don't know how long Gordon's left in the tank. How old is he now? 37? Yeah, 38 in uh, December. So he, he says he'll play until after he's 40, assuming he keeps fit. So because he's lost years, he's a goalkeeper. It's not an outfielder. So goalkeepers lose a couple of years. They want to make it up. And a lot of them can. And if he stays fit, I mean, the only reason he's not playing at Celtic is because they got Fraser Forster back. Yeah. So I think he would, he would certainly improve the team. I just wonder whether we could maybe improve it in other areas. But if we have the money to improve it in other areas and get Gordon back as well, then sure, why not? Oh, rolling he's in cer- it. He's certainly, uh, he's certainly an upgrade. Oh, without a doubt. You're an upgrade. <laughs> Jesus. I was actually... Uh, I, when this happened, I actually got the... Um, I got the urge to watch the Blues Brothers for the first time in a while because, you know, getting the band back together. Um, what, who else could we get back? You know, we've got Robbie Nielsen coming back as manager, Craig Gordon as keeper. Who else could we, come, who, who else could we bring back? Anyone else still kicking about? Free agent? Carl Weathers, forget him. <laughs> M- Mikko Yunus. <laughs> Mikko never gets older. Still yeah, he's, no. he's, uh, he's like Benjamin Button. He's going in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, I'm just trying to think. I was like, who else is around from? Well, I mean, they talked about Takis Fisas, so he was always fit, wasn't he? Gonzalez is in a field somewhere shepherding sheep, so I'm sure he, he, who was it I spoke to? Whoever did his medical when he joined Hearts said they had never seen such a specimen. Never mind an athlete. His body fat was as as close to perfect as you're going to get. We, he could probably still play when he was 80 because he had that pace, but. He didn't really do very well when he came over here and played up the road at New England Revolution. So, maybe not. He's not, he's not played in two years. But Andy Driver's still only 32. Oh, okay. There we go. There's one. That could be a shout <laughs> for some homework. Who who else would you bring in to get the band back together? If he's, uh, if he's fit enough as well, he could uh, solve the left-back problem if we have to sell Hickey. Austin McCann. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. What? Still very active on Facebook. Is that enough? You'd probably be more fit than Eddie White was this last season. (laughs) Most people. It's it's, it's a project, says Craig. Eddie White. (laughs) What school project? Because what? That was that was an interesting project. Goodness. So uh, obviously, a lot about next season could still hinge on what happens. In the courtrooms, um, the legal case. So, yeah, last week the uh, petition from Hearts and Park Thistle was lodged. Um, SPFL, uh, I've come back on it. Um, I think it was Shepherd and Wedderburn representing the league body. So they submitted their response. Um, I've not had time to look at the response. Is it out there? Have you seen it, Craig? No. <laughs> Have you seen it, Mark? Um. No, I've, what the, the petition, the thirty page? No, thing? not ours. No, the response from the SPFL. Oh, I don't know, but we're just hearing, and this is great breaking news on something that's not live. Um, <laughs> the initial hearing of Hearts Against Partick well, versus back, the SPFL yeah. and others has been pushed back to Wednesday, first of July at eleven a.m. Lord Clark presiding at court of session, to which Rab L responds, "Scottish football is best. I had a fifty-four seater bus booked and sold out for the Tuesday." <laughs> <laughs> I, I I did put a tweet out. I did put a tweet out saying Hearts TV would be live from uh, live from Hearts uh, hosting the SBFL next week with me and Jimmy Sanderson. We'll bring the the live. We'll bring you the the barrister lineup beforehand. Yeah, I, I I think it's difficult here, Laurie, because they're the away team. So anything well, they get home counts advantage. as double. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, they've got the away goals rule. So that's it's going to be harder for Hearts now. So we take a nil nil. You mean? And then try and sneak one in Glasgow. Then the the return case. But if it's only a if it's only a one leg, a wiggles count double. Would you take a nil? What would a nil nil? <laughs> would, would, would it be some cash, but stay in the championship? Like there's there's like fifty quid or something. 
What do you think, Craig? <laughs> Aye, that sounds rubbish. I think no, I'd want more. I'd want more than that for a nil-nil. You want more than that? So you're bringing us... That'd be a defeat. That'd be a defeat. 50 quid instead of the championship would be a defeat. So what would a nil-nil be? A nil-nil would be something like 800,000 instead of the championship. 10%. Yeah, it's like, that's something, but it's still a bit crap. Who pays the 800 grand? James Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Is that not about all... I think the SPFL have got about 800 grand in the bank, have they not? Did someone not post that? Just Just clear them out. What have you got? What have you got? (laughs) <laughs> right, Doncaster, what kind of chair you got? Oh, we'll have that. That's a nice one. A nice ergonomic chair. We'll take that to that, Doncaster. That attic. That attic, he does his Zoom calls in. We want that. They maybe got that table that uh, Tony Wilson had at Factory Records that hung from the ceiling and cost a billion pounds. <laughs> maybe take that. I bet you know, Doncaster's got suitcases full of money up in that attic. Um, I mean, in all seriousness, I, I really can't decide how this is going to go. Um, I really can't, one thing, I can't see Hearts being a premiership team, but there seems to be a lot of feeling out there that the SBFL aren't going to come out of this scot-free, but this is not based on much beyond instinct. What do you think, Fowler? Well, I think it says a lot that Hearts tried twice to, well, and Budge tried twice with a a glorious PR campaign uh, in which he had to get all the clubs voting in favour of keeping Hearts in the top flight and managed to just annoy everybody in the process, it seemed. Uh, I think that, despite our feeling twice, the SPFL still then had one more goal at convincing the clubs to accept reconstruction that would mean no relegation. So I think that said a lot to me, that they think there's a, a good chance they could lose yes. in court. Well, they, they, they think Hearts have got a, tra- a chance of getting something. There's no way Doncaster, having let everyone else do his work or their work on his behalf, knowing fine well they had no chance, is then going to start hammering the phones and saying, Ooh, uh, well, would, would you cons- what would it take? Would you consider that? If, if that's what he did. It's a difficult one because I've said all along that the SPFL has controlled the, the narrative of this throughout. They don't control the narrative now. So he's got to be concerned. Their lawyers will have told them, and I'm sure they have because I think they've said so, that they believe they've got a really strong case. It gets difficult, doesn't it? Because this is a members' organisation and votes have taken place. So, what, Craig, what do you make of what Hearts and Partick, to an extent, are actually seeking compensation for, the actuality of the legal bid? Uh, yeah, I think... I think they want, obviously, I think they want to stay in each uh, division they were in. I'm not entirely sure whether at this stage that'll be entirely possible, unless they can get the court. I'm not, you'll see by the way I'm stumbling over words, I'm no means an expert on any of this. But I think they are just, I think what will happen at the end is that Hearts and Partners will get some sort of victory, but it'll be compensation. It'll be like a, almost like a settlement. Like, yeah. okay, you've asked for 8 million and 2 million, here's two and a half and 800,000 or something like that. So, and then okay. it's like, is, is that enough to shut up? And then well, that's, like... that's the thing, isn't it? It's what that number is. There's got to be a b- below and above. The below is, okay, that's acceptable. The above is, shit, we might need reconstruction here because that's too much. I wonder what that number is for the SPFL. Yeah, and the problem is, I mean, people are like, what, 10 million quid, 8 million and two? It seems very unlikely, but you don't go in with your with a sensible figure. You go in with a surely a stupid figure and then bargain down if it gets to that point. What dragon's den that you've got and we've got Shark Tank. You go in with a stupid figure and if you get some of that, then fine, great, exactly. That's exactly what it's like. That's 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 actually been driving me nuts when people are going on and on about the figures that Hearts and Thistle have claimed for. I was like, well, if you if you want five million, you don't go in and ask for five million. You ask for eight and then they argue it down so they kind of feel like they're winning by giving you five. Yeah, like, it's when nobody, you're, when it's you, nobody ever barred at all. I know exactly. Who was it that came out with a quote when you're in the nightclub and you, you end up you try to get the most attractive <laughs> person in the nightclub and then you've went back to the you've had this we've had this analogy before, haven't we? Exactly. I can't remember who it was now. Um, <laughs> it was you. No, but there's a football manager. It was it Ian oh. Holloway? I'm sure it was Holloway. It probably out. was. It Basically, was Holloway. Yeah, there you go. So uh, when you go into a nightclub, you, you've got your eyes set on the most attractive person in the nightclub. After a few beers, it's like, ah, oh, well, they'll do. And then after 10 beers, it's just like, well, I'll just, I'd be happy to go home with anybody. It's 10 to 3. So you, you aim, exactly. You start, you <laughs> aim high. You aim for the stars and a bid to reach the sky. Yes, Harps are right now aiming for 
within the club in half an hour, you, you picked out your favourite and you're, you're going home. I think they don't want a 3am job. I think they'll settle for somewhere around about half 12, one o'clock. They're going to end up with the, the person, um, and I'm, I'm not specifying male or female, I'm just saying they're going to end up with the person at the back of the queue looking for chips and cheese that can't really get the words out, and it's just like, oh, if I have to sleep here all night, I'll do that. Wait, that's, that's, that's post three. That's even worse. Craig was, I mean, 1am's pretty optimistic. It's... No, but we're talking about Edinburgh here, Laurie. No place is open past, like, fucking half 12. <laughs> all right, okay. Well, I thought we were talking George Street. <laughs> well, chips and cheese in George Street? No, uh, come on. You can't, you can't get that after, like, I think one o'clock at the very latest. Okay. Um, we never go off on tangents. Ever since Fowler's joined us today, this is honestly we're normally a serious podcast that never has any tangenticity. I invite Fowler on, and Mike goes everywhere. It's like he's here, <laughs> but not just now. Not just now, <laughs> when no one can see it. It's actually it's actually tidy. Um, so. Do we take anything from the other leagues? Because, I mean, I've mentioned it before, and we've, we've talked about, about it on podcasts, especially Belgium and France. Um, Belgium in particular, because it was similar, there was a vote for members. France, it looks like uh, Amiens and Toulouse will be relegated. I don't know if they're appealing it now, but their relegation was confirmed for a second time, because basically the the only thing from this, and, I, and I don't, I've not read a whole lot about the latest French update, because I know one of the things that they were made to do was to put it back to another vote, wasn't it? To basically decide, and it's still, they've been voted down. A lot of the hearts and part of this little argument is about the way the initial vote went with Dundee's vote. Would there be a danger that they could just put that back and go, well, okay, fair enough, we'll deem that vote void, put it back to the clubs, because wouldn't there then just be a good chance that hearts would get voted down even quicker, given everyone hates them now? I think that is a possibility. Hopefully it doesn't come with that, because that would be annoying, because it would be like a victory that it's it would, ultimately... It would be defeat. embarrassing. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. It's, it's, it'd be like the, the speech that Rosie Perez gave from, like, um, White Men Can't Jump, where it's like, sometimes you win, you actually lose. That would be hearts, basically. <laughs> we'd lose, we'd win, but we'd get no money and be in the championship anyway. But hopefully it doesn't come to that. Um, yeah, I don't want that. That's the that's the worst. That's maybe the worst case scenario. I'd rather have just lost outright before, like, instead of going to another vote and then losing that, just because that would just get your hopes up slightly. Or who knows? Maybe Dundee would change their mind again. The useless tosses. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel a a tinge of frustration, or maybe even more, when you're um, writing about um, holidays at the moment and there's no football and it's all in a big legal wrangle and we've got football all over the place and most countries in Europe. Did the part of you just think, we could have played this season out? Yeah, I think we could have. I think they, they jumped the gun too much. I think that had Dundee, I think had Dundee originally voted the way that they, they actually voted, uh, then that would have delayed things by enough, like two or three weeks at least, because it's Scottish football, things take a while. And by that point, I think we would have seen that there was a bit more kind of scope for things, uh, starting again, closed door games, ending the season, because at the time, and I don't fully uh, blame the SPFL for this, I think uh, what they were getting told, what the clubs were getting advised by the Scottish Government was that there was going to be absolutely no chance of any sport, you know, until at least October, mm-hmm. obviously that's now not the case because they're, as things stand, uh, and if the, you know, cases don't spike again, then the season's going to be back in August, and certainly, yeah, that uh, I think, I don't think anybody would admit it. But I think if you said if you had a do-over, would you just go back and not have a vote and just wait things out for a wee bit longer? And then we could have started the season again. Moving on. Um, last... I love how you did that. Pause. Pause. <laughs> pause. Moving on. Well, just just let it breathe in case you wanted to pipe in with something. You do drama well done, Sarah. I like that. <laughs> By the way, before we moving on, um, see so you've ruined it now. I've paused. No, I move it. I know you're going to move back. I am moving For back. Sake. I, did, I, I, I got a message last night. Um, it was a tweet which I thought had been sent, I'd had a couple of beers, by Rangers Football Club. Everyone at Rangers Football Club would like to congratulate Liverpool on winning the league title on the pitch the way it should be. And then uh, now I've just realised it wasn't Rangers that sent that, because of course it wasn't, but it's got like 5,000 retweets. Anyway, 
That's what's called unnecessary comments, Donaldson. But you've got to either edit them out or find a way to move on. That wouldn't be any, it wouldn't be much more small time than Celtic actually uh, tweeting the congratulations to Liverpool winning the title. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Fair point. Well, moving on. Um, And I'm going to speak quicker so you can't cut me off. Uh, Last week, we had a message from Tam about his trip to Dingwall, which... Tam the Dirty. (laughs) Dirty Tam. He does listen, so, well, I I don't think he'd probably mind being called Dirty Tam. Um, Sorry, Tam, if you do. Dirty Tam. Should it be Dirty Thomas? (laughs) Dirty Thomas. Okay. Whatever floats your boat. So, uh, that was... uh, Tam told us uh, about his trip to Dingwall, which... um, summarising trip to Dingwall too drunk didn't get in went to the pub with some locals had a good time drunk couldn't get back to Inverness got lost in some woods found his way back to the pub got invited back to one of their house uh, had a few drinks the guy went to bed his daughter and her friends came back from a night out and he woke up um, in the guy's daughter's bed and had to make a run for it um, the end so <laughs> I was trying to get... incredibly I've actually heard this story before separate from the podcast Yes, I think uh, Tom must be a friend of Robert Borthwick, because Rob's told me this story before. Ah, okay, I know Tom definitely does know some people who know Robert if he doesn't know him direct. Um, right. Oh, so... this sounds so pennycook. <laughs> it's Edinburgh, it's pretty much, it's, everyone knows. Same thing. Everyone knows you. someone who knows someone. So I put it out there to get some, um, well, I guess start with you though, Craig, you're the you're the guest. Have you any, any good footballing day out stories it's not not to do with the game but to do with the trip or pre <laughs> yeah, post match I, I do have one that always uh, always springs to mind uh, not for the right reasons so uh, it was uh, Hearts away to Celtic 2000 and uh, 2006 it must have been and got the train for Haymarket got a carry out for the train I got six cans of Strongbow it's just only the train to Glasgow, so I mean, <laughs> I it was, I mean, it's quicker now than it used to be, but I think it was still like about 55 minutes tops. Uh, I sank all six cans of Strongbow in the train uh, without having anything to eat uh, at all that day. Uh, went to the pub at Douse, had a, a few more pints, got a taxi to the ground. Uh, during the taxi ride, I started to get more and more, uh, feel more and more kind of dizzy, uh, drunk, ill. Got out of the, the taxi, walking up with my pals to Celtic Park, uh, stopped by the police and said that I wasn't allowed to enter the ground because <laughs> uh, I was too drunk. Uh, it was at this point as well, that just as well, they kind of told me to do that because I realised I'd lost one of the two tickets that I had on me. <laughs> so I, I gave my friend, uh, who wasn't wasn't too drunk, to go and I was like, gave him the ticket. I was like, I'll meet you back at the train station or back in Edinburgh or whatever. Uh, then... I got a taxi head back to the town. By this point, I was—I must have just got increasingly more drunk, <laughs> and despite, despite consuming no more alcohol for the taxi ride to Celtic Park, and I had to tell the taxi driver to stop within about—I don't know—two minutes. Uh, just paid for the taxi, uh, then was sick into a bin and uh, lay down on a park bench and fell asleep. Uh, now, I don't know where I was, but it was certainly in the east end of Glasgow, and it did look like a particularly nice area. So I was, I was quite fortunate that when I woke up about, I don't know, it must have been about an hour later with uh, all my possessions on me, I was able to hail down... In Glasgow? Yeah, yeah, I know. I was surprised as well. Do you have any colours on? Oh, I might have had my scarf with me, but it might have been tucked in, uh, along with uh, like my jacket or whatever. But I got a, got a taxi... On the radio, the taxi uh, heard that Hearts were actually winning. And I was like, oh, bloody hell. And then during the, t- the taxi ride, I think I was just getting out at the other end at Queen Street and I heard that Celtic equalised. So I gnashed back to Dow's. Uh, I tried to get sold at the bar. They told me, no, I couldn't have anything else to drink. <laughs> they tried to get me chucked out. And I just said, can you please just let me uh, stay here so I can watch the end? I can just um, watch Gillette Soccer Saturday for the scores to come in. And eventually convinced them that yes, because I was like, it's literally about to finish in like a minute. It's like is this the Gordon own goal? Right, full time scores are coming up all over the place. I was like, just like, and I literally just finally convinced them to just let me stand at the bar and stare at the telly and not talk to anybody. When it literally came up, Celtic two hearts one, Craig Gordon own goal, full time Celtic two hearts one. <laughs> I was uh, at that game. And then I got a Burger King, dragged my sorry ass back to Edinburgh, and then went on a night out because I was actually sobered up by then. Dow's Dow's is. 
a horrible bar, but so many things just happened there because you're right next to the station. There was, <clears throat> I ended up there. It's after, cheap as fuck as well. It's, yeah, it, it, it's one of these, it's, have you been to, was Dow's around when you were, we'd have been getting the train through the football, Mark? Never got a train to the football in my life. You've never got the train? Oh, no, I don't, I, I don't know. I've never heard of Dow's, so okay. I'll well, leave it's, this for, it's, you, for you too. It's a pub that as you walk. No, wait, in, hang on, hang on. We moved on for this too quickly. How have you never got a train <laughs> to a football game? Because I lived in Pennycook. The last train out of Pennycook was 1956. <laughs> 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 I, I went to a Newcastle game with my dad. That's it. Never. My mum used to. My mum used to take the train to the football because she lived at Allen Park, and you could get on Allen Park. And you could get off um, on Shandwick or, or whatever, or Slateford. And uh, and she would just walk along. That's when the meat market was there. Why have we gone back 60 years all you of said, a sudden? I feel like Craig and I are the commoners here. My mother used to take the train to the football, but, but I start. never did. I'm, look, I, I, let's rewind even further. How can someone who's totally smashed isn't allowed entry into a stadium or a bar to get served how the hell is your memory as good that you can remember every step of the way? Uh, my memory actually used to be quite good on drink. It's uh, it no longer uh, is the case. I've uh, well, I've drank that away basically. Um, yeah, well, that was after what was it? Inverness semi-final last year. So I, I was still in my full Hearts gear, suit and tie. I think a Hearts club jacket might have been on, and there was a video of me singing "Sweet Caroline" and the whole of Dow's joining in with certain words, which then got me thrown off karaoke i then missed every single train so what the game finished it was at three o'clock so game finished at five there must have been what double figures of trains i missed every single one and had to get an uber back to musselburgh for a hundred quid after beating inverness so not quite as dramatic as yours and i possibly wasn't as drunk as you but dow's um is a dangerous place it's it's literally 10 yards from Queen Street Station, but I always somehow manage to miss at least a couple of trains when I'm there. Yes, understandably so. Um, we got a message, Stuart Miller messaged us saying, I'm a Hearts fan from Dingwall. This one... This one <laughs> it's about my daughter. This one time in a night out, I met, <laughs> I met another Hearts fan who was a bit worse for wear, invited him back to my house, and then he throws in an Ann Budge ellipsis, and we're just left to think what the rest of that would have been. That's very um, good. We've got. I was going to ask you for a story, Mark, but given that you apparently were chauffeured to every Hearts game, you probably don't have any. Or I drove. I was able to drive at seventeen. Remember that? Well, you're it's not weird, have right? a good. You'd hopefully not have a crazy story if you were driving there. No, not really. I was thinking about this. It's it's twenty five years since I was last at games as fan as a fan, and <laughs> well, there's been one or two. I remember standing behind the goal. We played. Was it Glen Torren? We played. In a pre-season friendly 05 or something like that in Belfast, um, and we did a commentary over there as well. But there's nothing, nothing really. But when you live in Pennycook, you, you, it's like 45 minutes to get into to town and park, and then get a train. So it's like Pennycook to Motherwell, you can take the back roads. So and I've never, I, I wish I had. I would have loved to have gone by train, but it's just I didn't live in a place that that really helped us travel by train. So I'm not going to try and take any more of your time up. And pretend I've got a story to tell because I haven't really. And if I remember one, I promise I will not interrupt you. So you may continue. Moving on. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot says Our trip to Prague, the flight was mostly made up of excited kilt wearing jambos. A few uh, sang pre takeoff. The air hostess politely reminded us not to sing on the flight, swiftly followed by a hundred or so lads whistling the heart song. She saw the funny side. That's so, right. I've actually got another story now. Um, now that you've said Prague. Um, I've got one, one too as well, but I'm not telling oh, it. Oh, is it a sex park one then, Mark? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah but my mum and dad listen to this now, so I'm not telling it. <laughs> Go ahead, Craig. Uh, so we there was four of us uh, went to the game in Prague, uh, the 0-0 game, and uh, was that 06 as well? Christ, what an eventful year this was. Um, <laughs> an eventful couple of months, even. It was that same and, season, yeah. Right, they were both, I think they were both around the, the autumn time as well, so this literally might happen within about a month of the Selling Park game. Uh, this, uh, this one wasn't really me, though. So we arrived at Edinburgh Airport. They said our flight was overbooked, uh, but we could they could put us on this other flight and they'll give us uh, some compensation, which I think was something like 80 quid each. And so we were like, yeah, uh, perfect, uh, whatever. Uh, the other flight we actually went on had free drink as well. It was quite a s- small flight. 
uh, usually just kind of business folk and then just us uh, four pissed up jambos and we thought oh, this is tremendous and I, I think we'd heard we are getting the same treatment on the, the flight from Prague, uh, sorry from so we landed in Brussels and then from the Brussels to Prague. But while we're waiting for that flight, uh, my best pal, uh, Lee Forrest, decided uh, to go and find the Lufthansa desk in Brussels uh, to try and claim back his money right there and then and basically got lost and didn't arrive back until the flight had left. So we actually stood there at the gate while everybody else got on, waiting for him to show up. He never did. We actually saw our bags. Uh, getting thrown off the flight while it was still sitting there, like about to go onto the runway. And then we finally, thankfully, got on another flight, uh, but then turned up in Prague and our luggage hadn't travelled with us. So we just had to check at the hotel with no luggage. And then we just basically got pissed and tried to forget about everything that had happened over the previous 12 hours. Was was that all, all that happening worse than watching Jamie Mole? Um, slightly, <laughs> slightly worse. Just slightly. Yeah, um, uh, Stevie Morris said oh. Slavia eating Mars eating Mars bars for train Slavia vouchers. Slavia. Both? Slavia eating Mars bars for train vouchers to London. Is that a thing? Um, this must, must be before my time. Flying Dan Air to Berlin went bust <laughs> when we got home. Train Dan via, Air. Dan, <laughs> Dan Air. What? <laughs> train. I, this could all be made up. I'm just reading out bullshit. Apparently, train Dan, via East Germany, yeah. 13p pints in Prague. After the game, Hearts fans left their Czech dosh in the boozer for the locals who were taught the heart song on the chalk menu. I'm at 13p pints. Jesus, imagine the Nick Craig would be if it was 13p pints before the game. Dan, oh, I was absolutely. To be fair, I was absolutely reeking when we went to the Prague game as well. So that was the. It was the day after was the the game after the whole incident with the with the missing the flight. And yeah, I was I was absolutely reeking at that game. That's maybe the most drunk I've ever been at a game. I can barely remember any of that. Meanwhile, Dan Air ceased operations when they merged into British Airways. Wonder if they were like a Thomas Cook back in the day. Dan Air. What a that name. just it sounds like a comic book character that's here to rescue you, but then right at the end, it's just like, sorry, we can't take you back from Prague to Edinburgh because uh, we've we've lost our main character. The, the most drunk my mate has been at the, the football was Rangers when Ryan Stevenson scored. Remember, the game was absolute shite, and um, it was when Jeffries had us gunning for the title, and he was he'd been out the night before, topped himself up. Jeffries. Um, Jeffries probably was as well. I, and, um, Punctuation audio-wise today has been disappointing. Well, that was a good one. Our guest from the Scotsman. That was a good one. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I actually fell asleep in the game, fast asleep, fast asleep for must have been at least half an hour, and got woken up by Stevenson scoring, and just looked and started celebrating as if he'd known what was going on. It's just that <laughs> that inst- they're just that instinct. You can just tell what's happened. You know we've scored. You don't even need to look at what's going on in the game. <laughs> Um, but that was a good one. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, uh, Doogie Fletcher says, someone letting the handbrake off the bus in the services on the way back from Paris. Oh, no. And oh, the people no. throwing their socks out the window at the police who came to investigate. Socks? <laughs> Apparently so. That's um, it. <laughs> socks. Have, have, it's one thing I've not got too many times um, is supporters' buses. I don't know. Have, have you ever have you ever lowered yourself to getting a bus, Mark? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's a scuttleless thing to say. Unbelievable. Did, did your father I, get the bus in, back in the 70s? And... Don't be a dick now. Um, <laughs> I took Preston Pan's... I always got the Pennycook Hearts bus. Um, <laughs> but I took... This, there's this game we've mentioned so many times. I wonder if, if Craig, if you were at this game. Uh, it's the, the, the Celtic game at Hamden in the league where David Hagen scored and we won. And there was very few fans, supporters, clubs that were taking them in. Preston Pants Hearts, and I know they've had a couple of digs, uh, dig at us, and we've had a, we've had a good bit of banter with them um, in, on scarves around the funnel. But, um, yeah, I think I went, drove to Musselburgh and got... Uh, my father drove me to Musselburgh, and I got picked <laughs> up by the bus from Preston Pans. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I do remember that game, but I was uh, too young to attend. What, what age were you in, ni- like, 94? Eight, seven or eight. When was your first Hearts game? Uh, 92. So you should have been there. It's disappointing. It's a away game. Come on. School, what, school the next day because it was a midweek game? 
Yeah, that as well. I'm at Celtic right. Park. <laughs> Any place to take a seven-year-old dog. It wasn't back. Celtic Park. It was Hamden. Celtic Park oh, yeah. was the it. It was, it was you know safe. I mean? You know what I mean? Loads of Celtic fans. Uh, what else have we got? Um, there's another one from that Paris trip. Uh, George Hobbs says, we went with Mercer Travel to Paris. En route, they left two guys at the services in England. Um, they, they caught us by Dover. Then they announced a 7.30am pickup in the morning. We got on the bus at 3 in the morning, pished, woke up at 7 and we were in Calais and they'd left about 10 folk behind. Oh, these, these buses are not well organised. There's another Prague, there's lots of Prague stories. This is Kieran McLaughlin says, bus from, bus from Tynecastle to Prague in 2006. Bloody bus, hell. 30 hours there oh, and 30 on, hours back. Only stayed in... in- 86 for the Dukla game. No, no, this is 2006. This is oh, 2006 for, 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 the, okay. for the Slavia. Um, sorry, Sparta. Sparta, uh, yeah. 30 hours there, 30 hours back to be in Prague for 19 hours and to witness Jamie Mole starting up front. The night out after was uh, special. The trip home, mm. not <laughs> so much. That is, God. I've had a, I've got a bus to, to, to France before for about 20 odd hours with a football team when I was younger, and that was pretty brutal but imagine 60 hours on a bus to watch jamie mole and have 19 hours in prague we got a bus from pennycook to haddington when i played rugby at school oh christ you're you're making this a middle class <laughs> podcast come on i've got to pretend <laughs> father was unavailable that day to drive <laughs> um who was this steve m my first away trip to inverness a heavy one stayed up there two nights beat them 3-1 in an early kickoff uh, Jim Jeffries in charge. Argentina away kit. Yeah, I remember this one. I had a red-eye flight the morning after the game. Slept through alarms. Awoken by the hotel, phoning my room to tell me my taxi was at reception. Quick splash of water on the face and a Dundee shower. We all know what that is. Uh, grabbed... I'm posh. What is a Dundee shower? Oh, you would probably never had one in your life, sir. Well, well I don't like... know. If... You've got to tell me what it is and then I'll tell you if I've had one. I can't say. Glasgow shower. Well, Steve is maybe from... For... I would think of it as a Dundee shower because I grew up in Aberdeenshire. Uh, but yeah, I think in, in the central what belt. Just not having a wash, just putting deodorant on. Oh. Oh. Okay. It's not exciting. Uh, made made flight by the skin of my teeth about um, four hours connection in Gatwick. Feeling sorry for myself before eventually getting flight back to Jersey and going straight home to bed. That's, that's a lot don't, of commitment. Don't keep us thinking a Dundee shower was something you could get in one of those sex clubs in Prague. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, God, I don't even want to think what that would be. Um... <laughs> uh, all right, Hen, I'm here for a Dundee shower. Huh? <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to title this episode a Dundee shower. Um, <laughs> Malky Robertson says, 98 final weekend, Saturday 9am at Robbo's. East Kilbride, a few then to the game, just in time for kickoff. The game speaks for itself. Bus back was so quiet and shocked till Heart Hill and then just mental. Gorgie Road then out at night. Sunday celebrations, Monday bank holiday was crazy too. Cup final weekends when you win are obviously fantastic. And we had McGowan on talking about the fact that it was like four or five days after. And you, I think I remember after it was that 2012 final, I think I was still out from the parade. I stayed at someone's house and I was walking... I was walking home on the Monday, and it, it only dawned on me halfway home that it was Monday. I just had in my head it was Sunday still. Um, oh, for, oh, for those weekends again, eh? You think we'll get one soon? <laughs> Awkward silence. Well, uh, I gotta tell <laughs> what else have we got? Uh, another Prague one. God, can't have too many Prague ones. Richard Cobb. Uh, it was my 18th when we won the cup in 2006. Bloody Mary in Edinburgh for breakfast, followed by champagne. Oh, this is more Mark's kind of territory. In a ah. hotel in Glasgow when Scotland won the Kieran Cup. Oh, Christ, remember yes. that nonsense? Yes, um, the 2000-something, yes. They, yeah, they won it before that game, didn't they? Um, then presented with a cake by Dave McPherson. Long story short, Dave McPherson stole my birthday cake. There you go. Uh, Dave, Dave McPherson was once responsible for us getting back from Basel. Uh, we missed our flight the next day. Uh, slipped, all slipped, slipped through our arms and had to do some calls. And eventually Big Slim uh, came up trumps and got us a, a space on his chartered flight. So that was nice of him. 
And while we're on Dave McPherson, um, it gives me a, another opportunity to tell the story of the wonderful Tom Wilson, Scott's brother, who's sadly no longer with us, who bought Dave McPherson's car many, many years ago. And um, there was a little, I don't know how, there was a lock of hair that came with the car that had been left in the car. It was a lock of McPherson's hair, which Tom was adamant was Big Slim's. So he put it on the sun visor thing and, and hid it in there. And he always told people that he bought a car and he got some of Dave McPherson's hair with it. There you go. Totally pointless story, but we're talking to <laughs> McPherson, and, and yeah, great. And it was a chance to mention the wonderful Tom Wilson again. I don't think we have much else to say on away trips unless Mark's got another fun-filled um, limousine drive from Pennycook to Cork. No, a car, car broke down on the way back from Kilmarnock, had to get towed the whole way back to Pennycook. That was a bastard. Um, I wonder, speaking of Prague, I wonder if any of our listeners were at all three away games. 86, Dukla, 93, 92-93, Slavia, and 2006, Sparta. I wonder um, if anyone did the trifecta. I'm sure someone did. We'll that find list, out. That listens. Any homework, Mark? You made me do it recently. You've been, you've been slacking. I think you should... I'm just thinking back to my contribution today. Some of it's been quite funny. Others been dull as fuck. It really has. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep the tone up and apologise for the swearing given our guest today. I, I like your homework from earlier about players that... Getting the band back together. Yeah, just getting the band back together. If there's one that you can bring back, I'll let you two make the rules as to if there's certain positions or, <laughs> or certain ages or if they're still playing and you want them back. Of this, yeah, we've, you've got to say, you've surely got to say that they're still, they're still of an age that they could still play. Because it's not like saying, it's like we can say, let's have Jim Hamilton back, right? Because he's with, he's within that that age range. Not that anybody's going to want it, but you can't say, let's have Henry Smith back, because because that ain't happening. How about that? Yeah, get, could the, do that. get the band back together. How about? Could we have Sheik Pezu back from his first eight games? Only if Naismith doesn't shout at him. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to think. So <clears throat> we, we're, we're possibly getting Craig Gordon back. So what, if you were getting the band back together from around that time, who who would actually still be on I mean, Christoph Berra <clears throat> will start to be playing with us, possibly. Um, who else Adrian is kicking? Mrobiak. Yes. Bring him back. He wasn't. No, but we're talking 2006, though. What about and... Ibrahim Tal? Adrian Mowbray's only 36, by the way. That's what I'm saying. You can't have people that are in their 50s. You've got to have people... Like, Driver's a good shout. Because he's still 32 and he's still he's still of a playing age. Let's have Kusinavichus, Eviskevichus. Let's have the... Let, let's have the band back from Lithuania. Let's bring some of them over as well. Let's get the trialists. Let's get Gogs with the 94 jerseys to wash again. <laughs> Barasa! Yes! Now we're talking... Kestutis Iveskevichus is 35, so he's, yeah, he can play. He's in. He's in. And, and apart from Christoph Berra, Miko is probably the only one you could feasibly say you could get back, I think, from 2006, because he does actually still play. Chesnowskis must be retired now, yeah? I'm pretty sure he is. He was slightly older, wasn't he, than, than Miko? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, getting the band back together, who would you get back? So, realistically, so... Obviously not someone who's now retired and in their mid-40s. I mean, to be fair, Rudy only just retired. I mean, could you get him out of retirement? Yeah. Given he didn't run about very much, I mean, would it make yeah, much was, difference? That was 06. Would it make much difference? If, if Rudy Scatcher came out of retirement and we were in the championship, I still think he would score double figures of goals now. No, no. Yeah, much, as I, much as I love Rudy Scatchel, Father Time uh, eventually wins out, and Wraith Rovers fans talk about Scatchel as one of the worst signings I've ever had. So he, I think that movie tells you a lot. He did pretty well in the Czech top flight with Prebram, apparently. Who told you that? Because well, you only watching Prebram games. Well, <laughs> a friend of mine who lives over there said he was reasonably well thought of, and I saw them tweeting about him quite a bit, so that obviously if they tweet about him, he must be doing well. Don't question my logic here, Donaldson. I want Rudy back. He's only, he's only, look, he'll be 41 40. next month. That's no age. He only scored one goal in 16 games in his final season, so. He was playing at left back. <laughs> Why? 
I actually don't know if he was, but if, I thought if I said it was some authority, you might believe me. Whatever. Who are we going to get Rudy. back? Ibrahim Tal. Rudy. Oh, yeah, maybe. You keep, uh, you, you, you're really going for this Ibrahim Tal show, aren't you? I'm just... Well, he waited long enough to get a game in the first place. <laughs> what, can we have Beshlia back? Oh, fucking hell. Uh, Ibrahim Tal is 38 and apparently still playing. There you go. Michaela. No, you're all right. Chris Hackett. Right, okay. Like, we'll bring this to a close. Um, let's wrap Blue this up. I've told this story loads of times, but Gio Michaela once scored a goal in a reserve game where he, he chipped a goalie from the corner of the box, but he didn't mean to do it. He was trying to take a touch. <laughs> that was his, his first touch was a goal? Yes. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, actually. I've got Still. my final answer. I've got my final answer for who I'm bringing back. Okay. Samuel Camazola. <laughs> of course. Oh, Sammy Camazola. But how old do you... I thought we were doing realistic. He was, he was born in 82. So he's only 38. In fact, he's he's not 38 until August. He's 37. There's a good example. Camazola. Only we could sign a Brazilian and it's a no-nonsense holding midfielder. Yeah. The least classy <laughs> Brazilian of all time. Apparently, apparently he's not played football since 2013, though. So that might bust your bubble there. Well, this is seven years of fitness to catch up on. <laughs> I, 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 I doubt that he's the least flat. Celtic signed Raphael Scheidt. And I remember Dunfermline signed a Brazilian. What was the boy's name? It wasn't Sergio Duarte, was it? Was that the boy? Do you remember the Brazilian? Let's, hold on. Sergio Duarte Dunfermline. It was. They said he was hopeless. I don't know if I remember 97, that. 97-98. He looked like he was the size of me. So he was never destined to be good. Oh, God, this is a big boy. <laughs> You're never coming back on again, you cheeky little... <laughs> <laughs> a bigger backside than Gennaro Zayfauk. Oh, But to be fair to him, he used it very well. Him, yeah, I remember him at Dumbarton um, in, this, in the championship. I was back for Christmas or something, and it was the first time I'd seen him. Made me feel good about myself, but he could hold the ball better up than I could. But that... <laughs> Right, we're, we're, we are veering wildly. Can we have him back? Can we have Zafouk? Zafouk. Gennaro Zafouk. Who knows? I don't know what he's doing, but maybe. If we're in the championship, he did well last time. So yeah, let us know. If you're getting the band back together, what players would you take back, given we're always hopelessly overly sentimental and want the former players to come back? So let us know at Around the Funnel. Uh, tweet podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Fowler. Appreciate it. No, thank you very much, boys. I enjoyed that. It's been a good laugh, and um, both you and Joel are, are welcome back any time. And is there any? Uh, what's happening with the view from a terrace? Is it going to be returning, or is that still up in the air? Yeah, for what we've been told, we'll be back. Uh, the water's back pretty much, almost right away as soon as the season's back. Uh, but nothing else will be worked out uh, at that stage. But yeah, then again, fixtures haven't been worked out yet, so there's plenty of time. It'll present some challenges, considering Telford and Sean usually talk about the lower leagues, and they won't be back until at least October. <laughs> and you, and you, Robert yeah. and Joel, talk about Hearts. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we'll talk about the lower leagues as well. <laughs> and uh, doing VTs and stuff is going to be interesting without, you know... What the fuck are you going to be balance. talking about? Oh, yeah, God knows. But uh, whatever happens, we'll figure a, ra- a way around it and uh, make it entertaining. And yeah, I think we're supposed to be back in August once the season's back, so looking forward to that. Looking forward to it too. Um, can't wait to see it. And uh, yeah, we'll let you know if we've got a slot coming up here at some point as well. Get you back on. Thanks for joining again, Mark. Um, we'll let you get off to your... Uh, what's what's for dinner tonight? I don't know. I'm going to have to ask Father, who's Caviar. outside right now, having gone to the butchers. <laughs> what's for dinner tonight? Well, if you're asking, I'm going to make panko-breaded chicken breast in a Mongolian barbecue sauce. So stick that up your arse. I just had a Domino's. Yeah, I've got have some pizza as well. <laughs> the commoners will. Oh, no, no, I've no. Got some red, I've got some red white to go with it if that makes it. Oh fuck it, hell! Now I'm the only commoner. Oh, I'm going out. I'm going out tonight for dinner for the first time this year. Not with a wife, with with a with a blonde. Oh, 
Aye, oh, so this lass is is Diane Knox. Knoxie used to be on the radio. Yes. She's now over here. Um, she's down the road now working for PGA Tour. They're in town oh, okay. with the travellers. So we're going to Maxie's Oyster Bar this evening, yes, to have some Alaskan king crab and, and some mussels and lobster. I think I've met Diane once, and I think Lovely it was girl. years ago when I was at uni, and it was possibly for... She was at Murray Firth initially. It was for maybe some kind of social media gig when I was still at uni. Uh, when it was was it Clyde sort of? Uh, yeah, she would have been there. Our uh, brother, our brother <clears throat> Russell plays on tour. He's a he's a golfer. Okay. Well, enjoy your your fancy dinner. It's it's got even fancier and has now really confirmed that you are the middle class part of this podcast. Um, but I'm glad I'm glad Craig was here to help me slum it. Um, yeah, just work work on your audio pronunciation um, for for next week because it was it was it was your punctuation today was disappointing. Sorry, sir. Okay. <laughs> a Dundee dun shower. Yes, a Dundee should, should shower. I, should I Google this? No. Google. You, you've got an, you've is your your laptop not from ESPN? You get sacked. <laughs> not not safe for work. <laughs> right, we're off. We'll see you next Whoa, time. <laughs> I've had the same jeans on for four days now I'm gonna go to a disco in the middle of the town Everybody's dressing up, I'm dressing down Life's one big circle, 